If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, the CEO of a life sciences company on the potential health benefits to humans of pesky mosquitoes. When that little flying hypodermic needle, as we call it, bites us, it doesn't just give us disease or it doesn't just give us plasmodium from malaria. It's injecting us with a wide range of other compounds that strangely, when we get rid of the disease component, may be extremely beneficial for us. This podcast is supported by the good people at Paranormal Contractors, a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. If you have unwanted paranormal activity in your home or business, this is no time to be dealing with amateur ghost hunters. You need to bring in the professionals. Paranormal contractors use the latest technology to investigate, authenticate, and remediate your ghost or demon problem. Call 1-866-724-0800, 1-866-724-0800, or email them at paranormalcontractors at gmail.com. That's paranormalcontractors at gmail.com. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday. Well, I just finished digging out after yet another snowstorm. Schools were closed uh, yesterday. First time in many years the Toronto public school system was shut down, and I think some schools up here in York Region also uh, were closed. No snow day for my twin boys, I'm afraid, since they're homeschooled. 
but they're not complaining. They came to class in their pajamas. Just a heads up, new episodes of Conspiracy Unlimited normally drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but there will be a special bonus episode dropping tomorrow, Thursday. So check out my interview with broadcaster Ronnie McMullen. He's the man behind Life Change Tea, our brand new sponsor, uh, but this is no infomercial. Ronnie will drop by for a special episode once a month, and he is well-versed on a wide range of subjects dealing with conspiracies and alternative health. So again, tomorrow, Thursday, be listing for a special bonus episode of Conspiracy Unlimited. Now, can a mosquito bite be a good thing? Could mosquito bites hold the key to extending human life? or curing degenerative diseases. My guest, the CEO of a Philadelphia-based life sciences firm, wants to find out. Ira Pastor is the CEO of BioQuark, a life sciences company developing proprietary combinatorial biologics for the regeneration and repair of human organs and tissues. Ira has over 30 years of experience across multiple sectors of the pharmaceutical industry, including pharmaceutical commercialization, biotech drug development, managed care and distribution. He served as the VP of Business Development for the drug development company Phytomedics Inc., raising $40 million of private equity, consummating over $50 million of licensing deals and bringing lead drug candidates from discovery stage to phase three development. He's also a board member of Regenerage, a clinical company focused on expedited translational therapeutic applications of regenerative and rejuvenative healthcare interventions. And Ira is also a member of the World Economic Forum's Human Enhancement Council. Ira Pastor, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. Hello, how are you? Hey, Richard, thanks for having me again. This is a great time. My pleasure. For those not familiar with BioQuark, tell us what it's all about. Sure, sure. So uh, BioQuark is a, a life sciences company located here uh, on the U.S. East Coast in the city of Philadelphia uh, with a mission of basically, you know, what we like to say, going back to nature uh, and studying the vast array of organisms on this planet that sort of from a health and wellness perspective are much further advanced uh, than we are as human beings. And, you know, whether that has to do with the way amphibians can regenerate their limbs or their spinal cords when they're severed, or uh, the ability of uh, flatworms to basically turn cancer into normal tissue, or even some of the really outlier stuff. So the, uh, you know, the immortal jellyfish that likes to turn itself back into a child or the species that uh, age very slowly for thousands of years. Uh, we as humans don't have these abilities. Uh, yet, uh, they are locked within our genomes. And if we can figure out through biological methods, uh, and that's the focus of BioQuark, how to sort of reawaken them, um, they offer you know, a wide range of solutions to solving a lot of these problems that we have um, that for the last hundred years, uh, my former industry, the pharmaceutical industry, has just not been able to solve. So that is, in essence, our mission and, and really once again, taking a look back uh, at the evolutionary history of everything that lives here with us uh, and try to mimic you know, what they're so very good at. So we're talking about 
regenerative biology. Is that right? Exactly. Regenerative biology, uh, it's, a, it's an area that, you know, technically for hundreds of years, people have studied these things and observed uh, some of these mechanisms that we've talked about. But we've really, and not until now in the 21st century, really understand what happens and how we can now, by using sort of the array of tools that we put together the last 100 years in this industry, figure out how to you know, stimulate, uh, for lack of a better word, these possibilities. So are we talking about dramatic, the potential for dramatic life extension? Are we talking about, dare I utter the immortality word? You know, immortality uh, exists in terms of some of these species that we talked about. And whether it's, you know, the ability to turn back time and become a child again uh, or whether it's these species that eat slowly or even some of the ones that technically even die and are reborn. These phenomena exist. Um, now, I'm not saying that we can go from the, the paltry 75 years that we are given on average to 10,000 years, but um, it is a pathway in terms of both reversing age and also the other area that we're involved in in terms of uh, death and how we can you know, slow the death cascade, that will take us down that road. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's coming. Uh, and we're on that path. I, I hope this question isn't out of, out of line, but how do you make money? Because so much of what you're doing now is it's research, research, research. It's all sort of, you know, projecting into the future. One day we'll be able to do this. How, how, what do you do in the meantime to keep BioCork afloat? Well, like uh, biotech is, uh, aside from doing research, is uh, unfortunately a business where you do raise a lot of money. Uh, we are a privately funded organization from investors here on the U.S. East Coast. But at the same time, we have our uh, we are a long term vision in terms of you know pharmaceutical and biotech interventions. But we are also a a company that looks at the short term. So obviously, turning back uh, time in the kidney or the liver or the heart or the brain is you know very useful for diseases like Alzheimer's disease and kidney failure and heart disease but at the same time there are short-term opportunities for us in terms of skin aging uh, in terms of cosmetics the general uh, health and wellness business and dietary supplements and functional foods so there's a lot of places for us along the path to generate business as well we're not just a uh, a pharma company that has a goal of uh, getting something to market in the next 20 years is is the the short term, you know, with uh, skin skin care and rejuvenating uh, skin? Do you start there because skin cells are so much they're they're less complex than other organs? It's that's one of the reasons. Uh, also, because. Um, equally important, I mean, we don't normally think about it, but our skin is the largest organ in the body. Uh, by far, it, uh, you know, it, it covers us, it contains literally miles upon miles of nerve and blood vessels, has billions of pores and corpuscles and so forth. So it is an extremely important organ and when it comes to drug delivery, it's an easy one to get to. Uh, it's not like I have to get something to the heart or the kidney and the skin is right there and it's easy to work with. And then at the same time, while we can focus on easier druggable opportunities on the skin in terms of uh, psoriasis, uh, in terms of eczema, there are also all of the you know, so what we call the beautification opportunities, which are not drugs. You know, they fall under different cosmetic classes in, in the United States and other countries. So we have the ability to wear both hats and go in both directions. 
the the ability to reverse uh, chronic degenerative disease um, project into the future and when that arrives what is that going to do to health care costs which are just swallowing up entire budgets for example here in Ontario um, in the next 15 20 years if all things remain the same health care costs will will consume almost a hundred percent of the provincial budget that's just obviously non-sustainable yeah absolutely so uh, we currently if you know you put the big the number out there we spend nowadays a little over seven trillion dollars on health around the world and when you factor out uh, several hundred millions for infectious diseases you're left with six point some odd trillion that are for chronic degenerative disease. Now those diseases fall into two baskets and two baskets alone. Either diseases that have an underlying cellular degeneration component to them. So think your Alzheimer's, your Parkinson's, your congestive heart failure, your type 1 diabetes. Or those are diseases that have a cellular damage component to them. Think cancer, chronic inflammatory diseases, chronic fibrotic diseases. So not to simplify it, but six trillion or so trickles down to basically two things. And if we can master those two things, which is what we're focused on, in essence, cellular regeneration and cellular reversion or repairing existing cells, you're going to make a major impact in not just the health and wellness of everyone on this planet, but of a ridiculous amount of cost that is, you know, as we as we know, it's in perpetuity because these costs never stop coming. Uh, so we believe that regenerative medicine and regenerative biology in this context offers a solution to many of the problems that have plagued us for the last hundred years. Are there are there animals? And I'm not talking about microorganisms. I'm talking about, you know, conspicuous creatures uh, th- that don't seem to have a a limit to their lifespan. I mean, like I'm thinking, for example, of the Greenland shark, which you know, I don't know how long those things live—thousands of years, perhaps. But are there creatures that really we they could live forever? Yeah, I mean, technically, uh, from a, a perspective of the negligibly senescent organisms. So the ones that they age, but they age extremely slowly. Uh, you know, one example is you know, the Arctica Icelandica clams. I mean, they recently found one that was, you know, 500, I think they aged it about 508 years. Um, yeah, it was around before the United States was technically the United States. So yes, I mean, there are many examples uh, there's trees that live for thousands of years. Uh, and then you, know, you put in the context some of these other reverters, what we'll call them, like the immortal jellyfish that just spins its life cycle back. Um, yeah, I mean, without the um, external influences of, of something eating it uh, or uh, smashing it uh, physically, yeah, I mean, some of these species could go on <laughs> infinitely, technically. Uh, and, and, and this is quite exciting because that, you know, you're, you're mentioning a, a sort of sub-segment of the regenerative biology space and it's we call it biologic robustness. So these are the things that are very difficult to ultimately kill uh, and, and they're exciting to look at as well. Um, 
what about one of the the main obstacles to dramatically extending human life are these uh, telomeres, these pesky little telomeres, and it seems like the upper limit is for human uh, a human lifespan is 127 years or something. Uh, ultimately, don't you have to address the telomere problem uh, if you're going to dramatically extend human life, no matter what you do to other things like degenerative diseases and so forth? Absolutely. I mean, telomeres are an important target, and they are, in, in terms of our program, are completely under control because you know we study um, basically the age reprogramming that occurs when a embryo is first created. So we study that whole process, and that is the one place in time. I mean, think about it. You know, I, I, me, and my wife got together at age thirty uh, and had a baby. Um, our telomeres were thirty years short. <laughs> Uh, but the baby was born with age zero telomeres. And that's because the one place that we find the rewinding and the lengthening of telomeres naturally in the human situation is when we is during fertilization. So that's something that is very important. It's one piece of the total aging puzzle. And there, there are easy solutions to dealing with it in the regenerative picture. Um, to just lengthen telomeres by themselves without cleaning up other problems uh, is not a great solution because of, you know, the cancer problem and so forth. So, but we're, we're, we're pretty confident in, in specifically the, the way we approach this with our program, the telomeres are going to elongate in the appropriate manner that they should. How is what you're doing different than, let's say, the transhumanist movement? Um, well, I mean, technically, uh, it sort of fits in with components of the transhumanist philosophy uh, of radical life extension possibilities. We are, as a company, pretty much focused on our biological situation. Uh, I personally am not extremely interested in the sort of the silicon future for myself. I I really don't, I don't want to be uploaded to a computer right now or become a cyborg. Um, I, I, you know, I like being, I like being human and biologic, and ultimately, that's that's the goal of what we're mimicking, and is a, you know, I guess an, an important part of, I guess the Kurzweilian type future of, you know, infinite uh, in, immortality, uh, and and getting them to sort of where they want to be, uh, whether they decide to stay biologic or make the leap from carbon to silicon. Would or does your technology anticipate eventually combining animal DNA with human DNA? No, no, no. We're we're not doing any of that. I get that's a it's a great question. Uh, I get that a lot, but no. Um, what we are focusing on, you have to remember too, that um, although we are human, uh, you and I sitting here and everybody that's listening to the show, um, keep in mind that our genome did not fall out of the sky. Uh, it contains the evolutionary past of every species that came before us. And that's why when you do the comparative genomics, you know, you find out that we're 99.2% chimpanzee and 92% pufferfish and so forth and so on. So we have those genes anyway. Uh, I don't need to put genes from an amphibian in you to figure out how to regenerate. We just need to look at the genes that are silenced in humans and the ones that are activated in amphibians and figure out, okay, how do we turn those genes on and off naturally in a safe fashion 
to allow you to regenerate like the salamander. Uh, that's the ultimate key. But where there is no uh, combination, there are no hybrids, none of that uh, chimeric technology that you hear about in, in some of the experiments that are going on today. Since we've mapped the entire genome, have you identified, let's see, say the, 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 uh, the remnants of our amphibian ancestors and those specific genes that 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 uh, signal the body to regrow uh, arms and legs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's been a lot of comparative work on that front done, and the most interesting thing is, and this is quite surprising, we have them. <laughs> They're not very different, and we're not genetically very different from, say, the salamander. Uh, what is different? is what is known as the intergenic space, what is referred to in the press sort of as the junk, the junk DNA, sort of the empty space of the genome. And what this allows us to do, and what it allows, you know, once again, the salamander is so very good to do, but blocks us, is how you turn those genes on and off. So once again, it's not about finding some new fancy gene that only the salamander has and genetically engineering a human to have it. It's about common sense ways using the drugs of today to upregulate or downregulate the expression of those genes. And that is the area that we find of most interest. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show, why not consider becoming a supporter? Go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. That's right. We've changed the name of our Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. And check out our three support tiers. The Truth Seeker tier the Whistleblower tier, and the Star Chamber tier. Donors can receive access to an exclusive monthly Google Hangout on air or a monthly live chat with me. You can also be eligible for a monthly draw and a chance to win Conspiracy Show and Conspiracy Unlimited merch. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Your support is greatly appreciated. Richard has tiny talking insects living in his sock drawer. We are bags and we are living in Richard's sock drawer. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Ira Pastor, the CEO of BioQuark, is here talking about the upside of mosquito bites. All right, let's talk mosquito spit, shall we? Absolutely. The much maligned mosquito. I have no no time for them. Uh, however, I do like birds and bats, and and uh, they they love mosquitoes. So I'm willing to put up with them. But I normally think of mosquitoes as uh, carriers of disease. And you're here actually to um, you're doing some wonderful PR for mosquitoes. Tell me about what you've discovered about. The saliva of mosquitoes. 
Well, it's, it's a fascinating story because, you know, you have this species. It's hung around the planet here for several hundred million years, biting everything that's come along from the dinosaurs on up to us and acting like a pest. And, yes, you point out, you know, you look at the most dangerous species on the planet. Technically, there it is. 750,000 or so deaths each year from infectious disease that mosquitoes carry. But, you know, one of the things that has been in the literature and, and from a partner of ours, uh, Dr. Santiago Mejia, who has spent a lot of time for the last several years at the Colorado State University studying mosquitoes specifically from an infectious disease perspective, is when that little flying hypodermic needle, as we call it, bites us, it doesn't just give us disease or it doesn't just give us, you know, uh, plasmodium from malaria. It's injecting us with a wide range of other compounds that strangely, when we get rid of the disease component, may be extremely beneficial for us. You don't normally think about it, but you never really feel the mosquito bite you, do you? You only see the after effect. And that's due to the fact that that mosquito saliva has a wide range of really interesting painkillers that do not act like typical opiates do. You know what else doesn't happen when that mosquito sucks your blood? It never clots in the mosquito's proboscis. Right. Why is that? Because it makes very potent anticoagulants. And the list goes on and on. And so when you combine this unique pharmacology with the fact that you don't see, interestingly enough, in areas where you have a large amount of mosquito endemicity, uh, you don't see a lot of the traditional chronic diseases that you see in environments where we've you know, try to kill mosquitoes off, you see a picture forming that, wait a second, um, this might not be, as you know, the Gates Foundation or Google or whoever these groups are that are working on it, the concept of eliminating the mosquito entirely from the planet, as some of these groups are trying to do, might not be very smart. And that might be useful, not saying let's not fight malaria and dengue and all this other stuff, but at the same time, we need to take a look before we eliminate another species um, at what benefits they provide because you remember a few years ago when the honeybees all started dying off you know yes. little changes to a species may have dramatic effects on this planet and so we really need to capture that knowledge before we mess with it too much um, and so we, we think this program is going to yield a lot of very interesting new insight to to this little uh, pest, as we'll call it. Well, can you give us a hint as as to you know where this research is is leading specifically in terms of the the saliva? What I mean, you mentioned anticoagulants. Uh, I mean, what could be in there that could extend human life or or uh, regenerate uh, organs and these sorts of things? Yeah, I mean, so. Number one will be the entire, you know, uh, we, just, we don't think about this, but about 65 million Americans alone have some form of autoimmune disease, um, hundreds of millions more around the world. And one very good thing that mosquitoes are doing, good at doing when they bite us and is modulating our immune system. It goes wild when the saliva goes in. And so right there is a beautiful target because we don't see a lot of these autoimmune diseases in the populations with high amounts of mosquitoes. Ability to suppress the immune system in entirely new ways. Rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, lupus, 
Crohn's disease. Go down the list of any autoimmune disease that is just destroying our population right now and capture a whole new basket of drug and drug moieties that we've never seen before just because we've never decided to capture them. Um, Painkillers is obviously another big one. We're here in the middle of a major opiate mess in the United States. I'm sure you're aware of the situation oh, yes. in Canada and the rest of the world. Why the hell? We've worked the last hundred years. We've been, you know, we stepped with the opiates. Uh, there's other ways to kill pain. And here's another beautiful example of compounds we've just never looked at that are very good at stopping the pain impulse, but have nothing to do with the opiate receptors. So here's just two two beautiful examples of once again nature solving problems for us and it's really up to us to take another look and you know one other thing i want to throw in there aside from the drug opportunities one thing that a lot of people might not be aware of recently in the last few years the fda down here in the u.s has actually approved uh several living organisms including leeches maggots and helminth worms as medical devices in the United States for various conditions. So we're seeing a very interesting movement in the sort of the development of sort of live therapies uh, that may be very useful for human beings. And so we could potentially see a day not just to isolate sort of pharmacological agents from mosquito saliva, but actually breed you know, non-pathogenic mosquitoes for unique forms of therapy on their own because they are great little, as I said, hyperdermic flying needles. Well, that's interesting. It reminds me of, um, I don't know if this was ever uh, proven and how efficacious it is, but bee stings to combat arthritis. Yeah, yeah, live bee sting therapy. I know that that's not yet approved in the U.S. I know they, they isolate uh, components of the venom and so forth. I think in Switzerland and maybe some European countries, uh, it, it is. Um, you know, there you have to ba- obviously balance, you know, the, the sting and the, the pain associated with that approach. But yes, I mean, these are all, once again, sort of very, we'll say, elegant approaches that, you know, evolution has created. Uh, and we really need to take a second look at them and how they do what they do and, and why they're so very good at it. I want to just circle back to mosquitoes for a moment because you, you said that, you know, you find that in populations where there are a lot of mosquitoes, you don't find a lot of these uh, diseases that are sort of inflammatory type diseases. But where would you on earth, aside from, let's say, the Inuit population, find a population that's not subjected to mosquitoes? You don't. They're everywhere. <laughs> so the goal is ultimately um, is is isolating specific species and breeding, you know, un- non-infected lines, uh, and studying those, uh, what we'll call clean varieties. But yeah, they they uh, they exist everywhere. They're in Antarctica. <laughs> They're in the the middle of the you know the, the Sahara Desert. You can't get away from them. No, but but you'd mentioned that uh, you some some studies had indicated certain populations did not have, um, you know, f- inflammatory type diseases. Right, right. You have in, in areas of you know high sort of infestation in, in areas in South America and Sub-Saharan Africa where you have uh, sort of major you know, outbreaks of, of certain mosquito-borne diseases. In those populations, you do not see uh, various, many of the different types of autoimmune diseases. You don't see certain 
cancers. Um, it's it's a really a, a fascinating sort of connection uh, that has you know actually it's been known for a while, but we've really never uh, totally understood why. And this may be as we you know as you know, tangentially as we see the benefits to some of these nasty species, as we're also seeing with the the microbes and the microbiome research, you know, with the sort of the uh, the use of live bacteria and, and, and other forms like that for various GI diseases and so forth nowadays. Um, the connection to, you know, people that live in this area with the species and exposed to it, uh, unlike other populations, um, and seeing these differences offers some very important clues that we feel we need to follow. In the meantime, before... Uh, we we uh, we reap this wonderful harvest. What can we do to live longer? Well, um, I mentioned when I get asked that question, I always mention a few things. Number one, start. Everybody really needs to uh, eat, drink, live based on um, what I'll call our evolutionary place in this world. Um, we are not uh, cheetahs. We do not need to run after prey and have extremely high blood sugar levels uh, to burst after that prey like they do. We do not need the large amounts of processed sugar, Coca-Cola, and so forth. Um, it's good for those species, very bad for us in terms of diabetes and endocrine disorders. At the same time, you know, you and I, and we're not snakes. We don't need large amounts of inflammation to guard against infectious diseases. We have a, a pretty well-structured immune system. So keeping inflammation for them is very important for us, horrible for all sorts of inflammatory disorders and allergic responses. So really understanding what causes these differences, whether they're the, the, the Coke, whether they're exposure to all sorts of inflammatory stimuli, and keeping those at a level that is important for humans, not other animals. Um, and then alongside of that is just once again a reappreciation, uh, and this should, everyone should really follow this, of natural products. Uh, the last hundred years or so, as I mentioned, the entire pharmaceutical industry that we don't normally think about it is based on natural substances from plants, from bacteria, fungi. I think we've gotten to a stage where we think everything is something synthetically whipped up in a lab somewhere, but it's not. Nature makes the best therapy still. And so a reappreciation for those, whether they're in the foods we eat, dietary supplements, functional foods of this nature, really should be incorporated uh, in the daily basis in sort of our routines. Uh, and this is all very important. How important is it, if you're serious about you know extending your life in a big way, how important is it to sequence your genome? Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan <laughs> of it at all. Not for, I, I think it's, it's, it's interesting, but you need actionable data from a genome. And the problem is um, genes don't do anything, okay? This is sort of something that, you know, requires sort of the re-education of, of the populace about this. Genes are very important in the sense that they code for proteins and amino acids. But by themselves, they do nothing. Uh, it is the stimuli at various levels 
that turns those genes on and off. So, you know, you find out that uh, you, I have some gene that maybe predisposed me 50 years from now to prostate cancer, uh, or you, God forbid, maybe, uh, you know, have some gene in your skin that makes you more susceptible to melanoma. Interesting, but once again, it's not just about the gene. It's about sort of the, uh, the way we live, the, all the other things that we can possibly do to prevent those genes from being activated or inactivated. So important data, but uh, by itself in a vacuum, it's not extremely useful until we really understand how, how it all fits together to but, modulate but it, health. But if you have a sort of an idea of your inherited disease risk factors, can't you then take that action to sort of outsmart your genes? You can do that, but here's the problem. 99.9% .9 of all the diseases that kill us have nothing to do with single genes. It's a very small percent of, it, of everything that kills us are singular gene mutations or singular gene changes. This big stuff that kills you and you, know, you and I and everyone on the planet right now are the chronic degenerative diseases, and none of that has anything to do with single genes. Those are what are called pleiotropic diseases, where multiple genes come together as the bad actors. And right now, uh, from a perspective of sort of consumer genome testing and things like that, we're, we're years away of really understanding any of that. So, um, I, you know, hey, I get it done if the cost comes down. I mean, we, you know, we, the original genome with sequencing was in the billions of dollars, and they've gotten it down pretty decently, but I wouldn't go out of the way to, uh, to spend too much money on getting it done. What about caloric fasting? Uh, it's the one method of you know, one sort of therapeutic intervention that has actually been ever proven to extend both health span and lifespan. Um, so not just the amount of time you live, but the period of time of healthy life. Uh, it's great intervention. Uh, the only problem is, do you uh, have the ability to carry it out? I love to eat. <laughs> so if there's some way ultimately in the future to develop what are known as calorie restriction mimetics that can sort of biochemically mimic what happens when one fasts, I think that would be more ideal because uh, I love to eat. It's one, it's one of the main pleasures in my life. Same here. Uh, so I might not, if I reduce my calories, uh, I'm, even if I don't live longer, it'll just seem longer. <laughs> you got it. What um, what are you working on right now at BioQuark that has you especially excited, aside from the mosquitoes that we talked about? Uh, yeah, the you know one of the things that we uh, recently um, you know have been generating uh, initial human clinical data in has been our, our spinal cord injury program, uh, and that has been quite eye opening in the initial stages. Um, once again. You know, the ability to regenerate a spinal cord like a salamander um, is the answer to getting a lot of people out of wheelchairs and dealing with a lot of the problems that uh, come with traumatic injuries to both the spine and the central nervous system. And some of the initial things that we've seen in sort of the phase one type uh, studies we've been doing in that sense in terms of reestablishing function, sensation, uh, the ability to control one's urine flow. Uh, and not be incontinent anymore. These are really exciting uh, milestones uh, that we are on the path to doing this the right way. So we're quite excited about that. Uh, and then simultaneously, we have also developed a very interesting 
program related to some of the things you were just mentioning about sort of the single gene mutations. Uh, while it is true that you know, there are quite uh, a few diseases that are not gene related, there are still you know 300 or so million people that suffer a rare disease based on some gene or chromosomal mutation. And one of the things that we've been very interested in looking into, and we've been making some headway there, are is basically the process of what's called uh, natural genetic reversion, which interestingly is a phenomenon that happens in nature whereby one set of cells will eliminate uh, a set of genetically damaged cells. And so what we are doing within our regeneration program is figuring how you boost up in a cell population where there's a mixture, uh, the amount of cells they can ultimately kick out or teach those damaged genetic cells to kill themselves. So these are two very interesting programs of ours that uh, have us particularly on the edge of our seat. How can people find out more about BioQuark? Uh, come to our website, so bioquark.com. You can learn all about what we're doing, our programs, uh, our research uh, relationships, and uh, and just reach out to us. We, we love to talk and uh, to people about what we do. We're a pretty transparent organization, and we're very excited about the uh, the biomedical future ahead of us. Ira, thanks so much for spending some time. Richard, thanks for having me back. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's in store on episode 183 of Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, this is Tony Merkel, host of The Confessionals, a blog talk radio podcast that brings you weekly interviews with eyewitness accounts of strange and unexplained events. From paranormal activity to UFO encounters to Bigfoot sightings, step into The Confessionals as we explore mysterious real-life stories. Check us out on your favorite podcast app or theconfessionalspodcast.com. Many thanks to Conspiracy Unlimited for having me on the air. I'll see you all on The Confessionals. Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, Dirt Poor, how the lack of nutrients in our soil is leading to a healthcare catastrophe. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.